Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 or 14 or so minutes long, but it keeps us in God's Word and thereby helps keep us focused on a relationship with God. It also helps us to have a more positive spiritual mindset to be able to deal with life every day. And that is a big deal. (laughs) Well, you know people in your life who need to refocus, don't you? They need to start thinking about their relationship with God and about their soul's salvation. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. With your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day, you may help somebody turn their life around and ultimately get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're talking about something that a whole lot of people would have some difficulty perhaps accepting, grasping. But I'm looking at it from a scientific, universally accepted law, the law of cause and effect. And what I'm demonstrating is that scientific law points to God. Now, we've talked about, in introducing this particular study, the, well, really widely taught and widely accepted theory of the Big Bang as to how the universe and ultimately life in this world came into existence. And so that particular theory, and that's all that it is because it cannot be demonstrated, it cannot be proven through experimentation in a scientific lab someplace, it says that somewhere back in time, about 13.7 billion years ago, there was nothing, absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing. But then all of a sudden, in a moment, there was something. Now, they cannot explain what that something was, they say openly, we don't know. Why did it come into being? They say, we don't know. How did it come into being? We don't know. But it was exceedingly tiny. You could not see it with the naked eye. You'd have to have a powerful microscope. But they say, now again, see, they don't know how it happened. They don't know where it came from. They don't know why it all of a sudden popped into existence. But they describe it as infinitesimally small and dense and hot. And then for some reason, which again, they don't understand, they don't really know how to explain it, it basically exploded and expanded and Everything we see in the universe around us, all the planets, all the moons, all the stars, everything you see came from that infinitesimally small little lump of matter that you could not even possibly see with the naked eye. Again, they say it came from nothing. They don't know where it came from. They don't know how it came to be. And they don't know really why it did what it did, but it it all happened in their mind's eye. Scientific absurdity. I call it science fiction, and I think that is the apt description and identity of it. Well, but that universal law, universally accepted law of science, the law of cause and effect, that for every effect, or in other words, for every result, there has to be a cause. That's accepted scientifically, universally. And that disproves the Big Bang Theory. Because 
Something does not come from nothing. But that, uni- that universally accepted law of cause and effect from the scientific community, that points to God. Points to God as the cause. Now you see, without God, there is no rational cause to effect the creation of the universe. Because again, something does not come from nothing. Without God, there is no rational cause to effect life on this earth. Because again, life cannot come from nothing, cannot come from non-life, cannot just all of a sudden spontaneously exist. Without God, there is no rational cause to effect the existence of love. I wonder how many people, I wonder how many scientists have thought about this. You see, God is the very source. He is the standard of our understanding of love. When you look at 1 John chapter 4, and we read verses 7, 8, and 9, the Apostle John wrote this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look at that statement. God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested or demonstrated toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Interesting. Now, let's drop down to verse... uh, to verse uh, 16. And here again, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Interesting. Now, in that one chapter, those few verses... Twice, John says God is love. Now, let's read a little bit further. Let's look at the gospel account according to John, talking about the mission and the life of Christ in this world. In John chapter 3 at verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Perhaps the most familiar and the most quoted verse of Scripture in the entire Bible. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 8, Paul says the same thing. He just goes into more detail, looks at it from a perhaps different perspective. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the Apostle Paul wrote. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, we come back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then in chapter 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. And then verse 19, 
we love him because he first loved us. Now, how do you explain love without God? You see, John explained love in detail in that chapter. But if you want to boil it down and put it in a succinct fashion, he spelled love G-O-D. G-O-D. You see, the evolutionists can't explain love. How love, they say, man came from ultimately inanimate matter, naturalistic causes and processes and everything. How does man, how did he become self-aware? We call it sentience. Uh, the, evolutionary, the, the evolutionist hits a, a, a brick wall at that point. Can't explain it. What is love without God? I've, I've asked that question countless times through my teaching and preaching. No one has suggested an answer. If you take God out of the picture, he's the cause. John identifies him as the cause. God is love. Jesus said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of mankind so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven and redeemed and saved and have eternal life with God in heaven who created us in his own image. Genesis 1 and verse 26. God loves us that much. John went on and said, we don't, we don't, we don't love God. We're not the initiators of that love. We love God because he first loved us. And he demonstrated that by sending his son to die for us. He showed that love. But you see, you cannot explain love. True, basic love without God. God is the cause. Love is the effect. Now, somebody could say, well, well love is just, you know, you have this emotional feeling. Where do the emotions come from? Are you suggesting that they developed through an evolutionary process? That's naturalistic. Where did emotions come from? But if you see God as the creator of life, he instilled those emotions within us as part of our existence. God is the cause. Love, true love, is the effect, the result by his design. You see, the law of cause and effect points to God. Now, we can take this same principle and apply it to goodness. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 16, Jesus, we see, it, we see a situation where Jesus is confronted by a young man who wants to know about doing a good thing or good things so that he might have eternal life. Beginning with verse 16, Matthew chapter 19. Now behold, one came and said to him, that is to Jesus, good teacher, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, that is Jesus responded, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, it's been suggested that Jesus may have been using a play on words there. In the Jewish mindset, they had a phrase 
that always referred to God and God only. That phrase was the good. And so when the young man addressed Jesus as good master, Jesus perhaps was asking a play on words, are you recognizing me as being God the Son because you called me good? No one is good but one, that is God. The scriptures repeatedly emphasize that fact. You can read Psalm 34 and verse 8, 73 and verse 1, 100 and verse 5, 135 and verse 3, 145 and verse 9, Jeremiah 33 and verse 11, Lamentations 3 and verse 25, Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7. And all of those make the same exact statement, God is good. Now, you can look at numerous other passages of Scripture that point to that fact and that identity and that, re- that recognition that God is good, the basis of true goodness. But without God, you cannot explain goodness. In fact, there is no such thing as goodness without God. Someone might say, well, yeah, I know what's good. I, this is good. Well, that's only your opinion. But if you take God out of the picture as the basic standard of true goodness, then your opinion of goodness is no better than somebody else's opinion of goodness, which might absolutely contradict your opinion of goodness. You see, goodness would be all over the place, subject to everybody's mindset and their emotions in that particular moment of time, and it could change in in, in an instant with the wind. But when you look at God as the cause of our understanding, our having the concept of true goodness, bottom line, fundamental goodness, then you understand that that is the result of he who is good, the good, and that is God the scientific law of cause and effect. God is the cause for love, the effect. God is the cause for true goodness, the effect. We'll go a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father, help people to see that you are the cause, the source of love and of goodness and help them to turn away from the deceptions of the devil and the world to point them in other other directions and lead them ultimately to unhappiness and unfulfillment because they've looked in the wrong ways, in the wrong directions, toward the wrong sources. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.